It's great to see you, whether you're here in our worship center, whether you're joining us online, uh, welcome to a new era. Welcome for our, our maiden voyage here as we uh, head into a digital world and uh, we do church together uh, in the internet live, right? That's great. So, hey, uh, we're going to go into our time of teaching in just a minute, uh, but it's been a crazy week, has it not? Uh, it's been just amazing. Uh, you know, I mentioned this in my video. And by the way, um, if you've not signed up to be uh, follow us on social media, uh, Facebook or uh, Instagram, uh, we'd really encourage you to do that because during this season, I really expect that we're going to be communicating much more than normal. And uh, we want to keep you up to date. So, for example, on Friday, I sent a, a follow-up uh, follow video out uh, to follow up the, the email I sent out on, uh, on Thursday. And uh, so if you, you saw that, you, you know this, that Lynn and I were away this week. It was actually Wednesday, and uh, we, we took off for a couple days up to Avila Beach, just south of uh, San Luis Obispo, where we could just spend a couple days together to celebrate Lynn's birthday. And of course, before I left, uh, carefully crafted a letter uh, uh, letting you know that we would be meeting this weekend, <laughs> that everything was on normal, uh, that we're going to tell you the kind of new precautions that we were taking to protect you and your family uh, and then I woke up Thursday morning to find out, to hear from the governor that they'd made this decision, no groups over 250, and it was no longer business as usual. It was flat out sprint between now and then, um, but it's, uh, it's been crazy. I know that on the way home, I said to Lynn on, on Friday night, it was about 5.30, I said, hey, we should just stop at Costco. And she said, well, why? And I said, I just want the experience. Uh, I, I don't really need anything, but I've been hearing so many rumors I just want to experience it. I want to be able to tell my great-grandkids someday that I was there. And so, uh, so we stopped at Costco in Simi Valley. It was a miracle. I only spent $32. It was, uh, uh, it was wasn't there really to shop. But, of course, it was, uh, it was actually fairly subdued. I mean, it was uh, pretty quiet. Of course, there was no toilet paper. That was all gone. Uh, no water. Uh, no, uh, no bread, I think. Uh, my eggs, organic eggs, were missing. Um, but, uh, but overall, it was calm. And so as we're, we're going out, uh, I said to the, uh, the, the, the checker, the guy that was helping, I say, hey, you know, it just seems pretty calm in here. And he said, you should have been here this morning. And he said, when we opened up, there was people lined up, if you're familiar with Simi Valley Costco, out the door, by the food court, through the, uh, past the tire station and around the backside of the building, they were letting in 700 people every half an hour. And he said, and that was nothing because at Burbank, they were, had 1,700 every half an hour. The fire department had to come and shut them down. So uh, crazy times. And, uh, and I expect them to get crazier. And before we try and launch in the message today, I just want to encourage you, one of the, one of the passages that uh, God has been really kind of writing on my heart the last year or so, it's one that I've memorized, it's one I meditate on, it's one I often start my time with God just writing it out, is in Matthew 6 and verse 33 and 34, 
where Jesus says, hey, uh, seek first the kingdom, and uh, all these things, the rest of the things, are going to be taken care of. And he says, so don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will take care of itself. It will worry about itself. He said, each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen? And I think at times like this, uh, we're, we're, we're tempted to look ahead and to panic what's coming but what we need to do is be living in the moment, one day at a time, because that's where the presence of God is. The presence of God is always in today. It's never in the future. It is now. And if you want to experience the presence of God, we've got to live today and let tomorrow worry about itself. Amen? Amen. All right. So we're going to go into our time of teaching. And so I know you all here have your, uh, your program. Uh, if you're online up there at the top, like, like Ray was talking about, uh, there's uh, at the green bar, if you're on a big screen, you see the, uh, the note sheet. Uh, I think it's still there probably on the app. Uh, if you're watching on the app up at the, the right-hand corner, like Dre mentioned. But I encourage you to, uh, to print that off. And then each week, encourage you to, to print that off before you come, come to join us for the service so you're ready to go. But if you guys are ready to go, I'm ready to jump in. You ready to go? Okay, let's pray. God, we're just so thankful to be here, whether it's, it's right here in the worship center or whether we're gathering together as a community online, that your spirit gathers us together, that in you we are one, and we come in the name of King Jesus. Lord, we know that you're in charge of this whole situation, and we come under your leadership, and we just say that we're here to listen, we're here to follow. We pray that you meet us in a powerful way as we open your word, as we pursue you as a church, as we learn how to love one another and serve sacrificially in this time of crisis. So we pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. Well, our story starts today uh, early in the morning, and uh, he's got up early, he's uh, made himself breakfast. This is a big day. Because it's on this day that uh, he is expecting his team back. He sent them off on a very important mission. And he knows it's going to be critical not only for their, their joint mission, but also just for their own personal growth and development. And so this is the day that they've agreed to, to rendezvous, to return and reconnect. And he's looking forward to it. But, but he knows he expects great things, but he also knows that uh, they're going to be exhausted. This has been an incredible season. And so he's planning sort of a surprise when they get back. He's going to announce that they're, they're going on a retreat together. So R&R, get away from, from the job. And so sure enough, uh, when they return that day, they're so excited to see each other, to reconnect. Uh, they've got stories to tell, so much that they've learned. Um, but he says, hey, hold the stories. Uh, we're, we're going away. We're going to take off. We're going on a retreat. And, uh, and so we're going off to a place with some R&R. And so they load up and they take off. Uh, looking forward to what they're going to experience together when they get there. But when they arrive, it's just so much different than the, what they expected. And as they began pulling up, their hopes began to be dashed. But today they're going to learn a lesson that they'll never forget the rest of their lives. Well, today we are wrapping up our series that we've been in for the last nine weeks it's called Serving Sacrificially, Discovering Your Purpose. And uh, if you're brand new, you're joining us online. There's no one new here. But uh, if you're online and you're joining us new, we're just so happy to welcome you. It's a great time. Even though it's the last message, it's a great time to be joining us. And what we've been doing on this series is that we've been going on a journey together as a church. And uh, our goal has been to discover kind of God's vision for all of our lives and to then discover his individual vision kind of for each of our lives. 
And so what I want to do today is kind of look back in this journey where we've traveled. And I want to look back on some of the key destinations like the children of Israel when they're wandering and stopping at key places. I want to look back at some of these key locations where we've stopped along the way, highlight some of the key lessons that we want to take with us as we move into our future. And then, and then at the end, I want to ask a couple questions uh, to help prepare us for moving forward. It's so not just look back, but look forward. Where do we go from here? So there on your note sheet, there's a section called Serving Sacrificially, The Journey. And if you, you have a note sheet there, you'll notice that there are five bullets. And what I want to do is kind of quickly walk back on some key destination places that we've been in this series, key lessons that we've learned that we want to take with us as we move into our future. So first of all, if you were here the very first week of this series, as you can see there, week one was about discovering your purpose. And so way back then, at week one, we learned that, that uh, when we come to Jesus, as followers of Jesus, we discover that when we come to Jesus, that we find out that we have been chosen uh, actually before time. And, and not only to be forgiven, and not only to be adopted in God's family, but we've been, been chosen to play an important part in God's epic vision of uh, bringing all of creation healed and restored under his leadership. And that actually God has been shaping us our whole lives for this. And if you were here that very first week, you may remember that. But we looked at three key passages. And, and we, we looked at one of these two weeks ago. We read it two weeks ago. One was Psalm 139. But today as we kick off this message, I want us to go back and look at two of them just real quickly. And so there in your note sheet, under this section, uh, these, these two passages are from the Apostle Paul, and uh, he's writing to this church in Ephesus, around Ephesus, Christ followers there, and he's, he's kind of explaining God's big picture epic vision. And so he starts off the letter, and he says, even before he made the world, like before the creation of the world, God loved us and he chose us. As followers of Jesus, he, he saw us, he chose us, he loved us uh, in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So he chose us to be forgiven of our sin. And it says, but on top of that, he decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. So not just forgiven, but adopted into his family. He says, this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. And then he says, so God has now revealed to us, speaking of us as uh, the apostle Paul and his team, but then sharing it with us, God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ. And remember, Christ means king, the Messiah. And so he says he's revealed his, uh, his mysterious will regarding King Jesus, which is to fulfill his own good plan. So God has a plan, epic plan, and this is the plan. At the right time, looking into the future, some point in the future, at the right time, he'll bring together everything under the authority of Christ or King Jesus everything in heaven and earth, healed and restored. And furthermore, because you, we, you and I, are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. He's talking about the next life that's coming, the new heavens and the new earth. And he chose us in advance, and he, and he, uh, he makes everything work out according to his plan, right? So he starts off saying that, hey, as a follower of Jesus, you've been chosen before time, you've been chosen to be forgiven, you've been chosen to be adopted, God has a plan to bring all heaven and earth under his leadership, and you have a part to play. And then in chapter two, he moved on, and he said, he built on that, and he said, for we, as followers of Jesus, we are God's workmanship. Remember, that was that Greek word poema, where we get the word poem, 
Uh, we are his workmanship. And then he changes the metaphor, created in Christ Jesus. So when we come to Jesus, we become part of this new creation that's coming. Uh, we're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Right, so now the vision built. Not only are we chosen before time to be forgiven, not only chosen to be adopted, but we've been chosen before time to play a specific role, to carry out specific, uh, Paul calls them works, uh, that, that fit into this larger vision of bringing all heaven and earth uh, healed and restored under his leadership. And so that's where we started the journey, that if we're going to understand God's purpose for our lives, we have to start for his purpose overall. And his purpose is to recreate, heal all heaven and earth. Then on week two, you see the second bullet there. This, this week two, we talked about the new paradigm of King Jesus. And so when Jesus came, he introduced a new paradigm, a whole approach to live. And he said that as my followers, I want to teach you how to live a life of love that leads to a life of service. And we looked at a couple key passages that day, but the first one was in Mark chapter 10. And you may remember this. A couple of his disciples were sort of um, kind of trying to, to work their way into the top leadership positions in his new administration. And so he calls them together and he said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, so they're, they're kings, they're governors, they're proconsuls, they lord it over them. They, they love to tell people what to do. Uh, and they're high officials, the people that they appoint they exercise authority over them. But he says, not so with you. Like in my kingdom, we're going to do things differently. A whole new paradigm. And he said, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your what? Your servant, right? And a whole new uh, approach. And he said, whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. So he said, so if you want to be great, that's awesome. But in my kingdom, the path to greatness leads through the door of service. And then he goes on and he says, uh, for even the Son of Man, talking about himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life and the ultimate service as ransom for many. And of course, then Jesus goes on to model this in his life, right? So we, we talked about, if you remember that, John 13, Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And how Jesus, uh, he kind of, he, he modeled this for them. He said, I'm doing this for you so that you have a model to follow. I want you to love one another as I have loved you. And then on top of that, remember this, he said that, hey, and this is the path to life. That this life of love that leads to a life of service. He said, if you do this, you will be blessed. Do you remember that? And he said that this is the path to freedom. It's a path to fulfillment. It's, it's fulfillment. It's a path to life. And then the next week, we went on to week three. And we talked about the step of surrender. And we said that if we are going to be carry out God's vision for our life, that we have to go through a process of transformation where we learn how to listen and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And as we do that, that we are transformed to be like Jesus so that we have the capacity to live out a life of love. That leads to life. And without that transformation, it's impossible. And then we took it one step further, and we, we saw that, that if, we, if we want to be transformed, we need to learn how to surrender our will to God's will. And of course, Jesus models this all through his life. We watched as he said, my will is, uh, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. I never do my will, always what the Father does. And of course, the ultimate, ultimate demonstration was his surrender uh, on, 
at Gethsemane. And so that first three weeks, we laid this solid foundation that if you, if I, if we want to discover God's vision for our life, that it starts with catching God's, understanding God's epic vision for all creation, and then we have to enter into a supernatural transformation process where we learn to listen and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And then we will have the capacity to live out this life of love. And the ultimate step we need to take is that step of surrender. And so for the first three weeks, we laid a solid foundation for this entire series. Until we understood those three weeks, we're not really, really ready to move into the future and talk about how God has shaped us. But once we have, once we had, we were ready. And so in weeks four through eight, we went on then to the, the next uh, the next ball of discovering your shape. And as you know, we spent five weeks, uh, a long time, on discovering how God has shaped us over the course of our life in terms of our spiritual gifting, in terms of our heart or our God-given passions, in terms of our, our attitude, our, our natural abilities, our talents that we were born with, in terms of our unique personality, in terms of our life experience. And then last week, uh, Dre brought us in week nine, talked to us about what does it look like to be a generous servant. And we talked to this, that in order to carry out God's vision for our life, we have to come to a place where we surrender our finances to him. Because if we don't, we will always have one foot in, one foot out. We'll be serving two masters. And as Jesus said, it's impossible. No one can serve two masters. You can't serve God in money. So if we want to discover God's vision for our life, we have to surrender. Like how many people have missed God's vision for their life because of financial reasons, because of financial fear, right? So we have to come to a place where we surrender all that we are, all to him, and that frees us up to move into the future that we have. And so this is where we've been. Looking back, these are some of the key lessons that we learned. God has an epic vision for your life and my life. We've been chosen before time, not only to be forgiven, not only to be adopted, but to play an important role. He's, he's laid out these works for us, but in order to carry it out, we have to be transformed at a core level. We have to come under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, experience character transformation, so that we have the capacity to live a life of love that leads to a life of service, and that requires a deep surrender, our will to his will. And then he's been shaping us our whole life to carry that out. The question is, where do we go from here? And one of the things I want to do today is not just look back over where we've come from, but look forward and say, what's next for us as we wrap up this series and move into our future and so there in your note sheet, you have a section called Serving Sacrificially, two final questions. Actually, two simple questions to help get us thinking uh, as we move forward. How do we move in the future that God has for us? How do we continue to take the next steps in discovering God's vision for our life? And so the first question goes like this. Are you growing the heart of a servant? Are you growing the heart of a servant? So, so what we saw early on is that in order to carry out God's vision for our life, there has to be a transformation process. It's impossible for us to discover God's vision for our lives when we are using God to carry out our vision for our lives. 
There has to be a core character transformation because without that transformation, we will not have the capacity to love, to sacrifice, to overlook hardship, to forgive. We will not have the capacity to move past bitterness. Like we will not have the capacity. So we have to go through this transformation process where we're transformed at the core to become like Jesus. And so the question I have for you as we come to the end of this series is, is that transformation taking place in your life? As you look back over this last year, as you look back over the five years, can you see the Holy Spirit doing a supernatural work in your life where you can see that you are being transformed, that you are changing at a core level, that you are learning to die to yourself and rise to Christ, You're learning to put off the old and put on the new. Is that happening in your life? Are you the same person today that you were five years ago? Or are you growing as the heart of a servant developing in your life? Because if we go through this whole series and we focus on shape and we discover what we were designed to do, but if we don't have the heart of a servant, we will use our shape to advance our own causes instead of the kingdom causes. So is God growing the heart of a servant? Are you listening and following as he leads you? One of the dangers, and I'm so aware of this, in fact, this is why I started this series as I did, three weeks carefully laying a foundation I'm so, when you spend five weeks talking about your shape, it is very easy by the end of the five to forget the first three. Yeah. And what can happen is we get so focused in on what are my spiritual gifts and what do I have a passion for and what am I really good at and what is the cool personality that I've been gifted with. <laughs> And what are the life experiences that have prepared me? And the danger is at the end of five weeks, we forget it's about serving God and others. We think it's about us. And we lose our focus. See, the reason that we focus on discovering our shape, and I mentioned this early in this series, is because you will make your greatest impact for the kingdom in the area of your shape, right? That's, that's what, remember we used the military analogy? Remember I talked about that, that when you go in the armed service, everyone goes through boot camp, gets a basic training, but then you go off into specific area of training. And it's in that area of specific area that you're going to make your biggest impact. Like you don't want a cook trying to be a sniper, right? You don't want a sniper trying to be a cook. Like you want people. And so it's important for us to discover how God has shaped us because that's where we're going to make our biggest impact. But... We don't, the danger is when we focus on shape for so long, it becomes about me and about my path to personal fulfillment. And in the process, we can lose the heart of a servant. And you say, what does that look like? It looks like we become so aware of what we're good at, we don't want to do anything we're not good at. And so I would love to help there, but you know what? Don't really have that gift. Hey, I, I, yeah. I'd love to dig you out of the ditch, man, but I, I, don't have the, I don't have the gift of service. Sorry, you know. Uh, call 911, spiritual gifts. We've got, we got someone here. Sure. 
And it's a, it's a big danger. You know, like a, as, as followers of Jesus, remember we serve in those three spheres. We serve in the sphere of the, the commonplace of everyday life, our families, our careers, our businesses, our neighbors. We serve in the new community of King Jesus, and we serve in culture at large. And as followers of Jesus, in all three of these, there's times when we're just called to serve, not because it's our shape, but just because people need help, right? I think of it like, uh, like in a healthy family. Like in a healthy family, everyone has their responsibilities, right? And it may not be in your area of gifting, like in our family. Like two of my responsibilities in our family, number one, take out the trash, right? Uh, I don't always do that, but I think Lynn thinks it's my responsibility. <laughs> um, number two is, uh, and that's not just, you know, get it out to the trash can, but that's on Thursday night, getting it out to the curb, bringing it back to the curb. Now, sometimes she has mercy on my, my soul, and uh, I've been working really hard. She'll bring in the trash cans, which I deeply appreciate. I, I love you, but... Um, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, Lynn's here with us today. But, uh, but, uh, but in general, that's my responsibility. That's right. Take out the trash. That's my responsibility. Another one of my responsibilities is to take care of the yard. Mow the yard. Trim the bushes, right? Now, let me tell you something. I am not very good at either one of those. <laughs> I do not have the gift of trash taking. I've got the gift of trash talking. Not, I don't use <laughs> But I, I don't use that here, right? <laughs> but I, I don't have the gift of trash taking. Um, I don't have the gift of mowing yards. Uh, I don't have the gift of, um, I, I do not enjoy gardening. I don't enjoy one moment of it unless I'm listening to a podcast while I'm doing it. It is boring. I procrastinate. I put it off. But guess what? I still do it. Because, not because it's my area of spiritual gifting, not because I have a God-given passion for the grass right? <laughs> of any kind. Uh, 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 not because I have a natural ability, not because my personality longs to be out in nature, uh, not because I have a life full of experience. I take out the trash and I do the yard because it needs to get done. And this is how I love my family Amen. and serve sacrificially, right? And here's the thing. In the body of Christ, on your job, in your home, in the, it's the same thing. Amen. That we're called to be servants, to pick up the basin and towel wherever we go. And if all we take from this series is here's how I'm shaped and we serve less than ever because that's not how I'm shaped. We have missed the whole point. Can I tell you something? Having the heart of a servant is way more important than discovering your shape. Amen. Because if you have the heart of the servant, chances are you'll find your, your shape just by doing it. Right. I love what uh, Rick says in Purpose Driven Life. He says, while knowing your shape is important for serving God, having the heart of a servant is even more important. Amen. Remember, God shaped your heart for service, not for self-centeredness. Without a servant's heart, you'll be tempted to misuse your shape for personal gain. You'll also be tempted to use it as an excuse to exempt yourself from meeting some needs. I love this next line. God often tests our hearts by asking us to serve in ways that we're not shaped. 
If you see a man fall in the ditch, God expects you to help out, not to say, I don't have the gift of mercy or service. While you may not be gifted for a particular task, you may be called to do it if no one gifted is around. So your primary ministry should be in the area of your shape, but your secondary service is wherever you're needed at the moment. Isn't that good? And so we want to be followers. We, we walk around. Remember that Jesus watched. We walk around. We've got the basin and the towel. Whether it's in the common place or in the, the church of Jesus or out in cult, we have, we're servants. It's who we are. Service is not just something we do. It's who we are because we're living a life of love that leads to a life of sacrificial service wherever we go. And, of course, Jesus models this. I don't know if you remember this, but back in John 13, that second week, we talked about the new paradigm. and we, I had you close your eyes, and some of you loved it, and some of you hated it. And, um, and we kind of visualized Jesus washing feet. You know, one of the things I said, I don't know if you remember this, but that on that last night of his life before he's arrested, and he's washing feet, that, that he wasn't serving them for the first time. He had been washing their feet every day he'd been with them. They just didn't realize it until that moment. And you see Jesus living a life of service wherever he goes. And one of my favorite stories uh, is the story we started the day with today. And we started the day with the story of this leader who has kind of sent out his team on this very important mission. And uh, he can't wait for them to get back to rendezvous, to hear how it's gone, what they've learned, how they've grown, what they've accomplished. And, uh, but he knows they're going to be exhausted, so he's planned this kind of private retreat. When they get back, they're going to go off to a deserted place and get some R&R, just debrief on what they've learned. And this is a story from the life of Jesus, and it's told in three of the Gospels. When you piece them together, you get a really full picture of what was going on. But, uh, but this happened, what, what happened is that at kind of midway point in his ministry, Jesus called his 12 disciples and he said, hey, it's time for you to take what I'm doing and expand it out. And so I'm going to send you out in teams of two and I want you to go out. I want you to do what I've been doing. I want you to share the good news that the kingdom of God is near. I want you to uh, heal the sick. Uh, I want you to uh, free people from demonization and, uh, and just kind of go out there and do what I've been doing. And so they went out and so they, they set a date apparently for them to rendezvous, to come back together. Um, and so he's looking forward to hearing what they've learned. They're looking forward to, to uh, sharing. But it's been an exhausting time. And so his plan is when they get back, he's going to take them to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, to the northern section. For those who've been there in Israel, by Bethsaida, the north, kind of northeast part of the lake, it's Gentile country. We'll leave all this Jewish side. We'll go to the Gentile side. We'll get away. Uh, and so we get some R&R, and you can, we, can, we can rest and relax. And so they, they jump into a boat together, and they head over. But the, the crowd wasn't stupid, and they recognized them, and they saw the direction. They put two and two together. And so they began racing several miles from the western side of the Sea of Galilee up uh, over the north and to the east. And so when Jesus is, when, is pulling up in the boat, they can see there's thousands of people waiting for him. And I want you to think about this. I don't know if you've ever planned a vacation and then something goes wrong and you can't go or like you're planning to go to Israel or something yeah. like weird, you know? 
It's just so disappointing, right? It's so disappointing. And honestly, if I'm Jesus and I'm seeing thousands of people, I think I would be saying to Peter, let's reroute our itinerary. But Jesus didn't. He pushed the bug. He said, no, let's go to shore. And when he got there, he spent the day, according to Matthew, not just teaching, but healing all day. And I want to give you a feel for that. There on your note sheet, there's a passage from Mark chapter 6. This is Mark's version. He said that the apostles gathered around Jesus. So this is after they came back from their mission. And he reported to him all that they had done and taught. And then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat. I want you to catch that. This is craziness. This is like Costco this last week, right? It's like, it is crazy. Everyone's, you know, trying to get the toilet paper and Jesus has it. And... Uh, and so they can't even eat. You know, they can't even eat because it's just so crazy. And so he says to his men, he says, come, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place. Let's get some rest. And so they went away by themselves in a boat to this solitary place, like I said, far side, north, north, uh, northeast side of the Sea of Galilee. But many who saw them leaving, they recognized them like celebrity. And ran on foot. They ran on foot from all the towns. They got there ahead of them. And when Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd, and he had what? What do you have? He had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And in Matthew's account, he says they, he healed all day. And then catch this, at the end of the day, his disciples come up to him, and they said, hey, listen, it's getting late. Time to send them home. Remember, we came here to rest, remember? And remember what Jesus, what Jesus said to them? He said, you feed them. And this is the day that he took five loaves and two fishes and he fed 5,000 men and their families. And then he dismissed them and he sent his disciples out to sea. I'll catch, you up. I'll catch up with you later. And he went up and he prayed till four o'clock in the morning because it was the only time that he had to connect with his father. That's the heart of Jesus. And when it catches me, that is the heart that he's creating in you. When we talk about transformation, we're talking about transformation of the character of Jesus. When you see Jesus throughout his life, whether it's with, with the leper, if you're willing, you can heal me. Whether it's Peter's mother-in-law, whether it's the crowds, like, I don't want to send them away. They've been with me for three days, and I'm afraid they'll, we're going to need to feed them again. What you see is you see this heart of Jesus. It's a heart of love that leads to a life of service. And it's not just on certain days. It's every day. It's who he is. And if you're a follower of Jesus, this is what he's after in your life and my life. He wants to transform us to have that heart that leads to a life of sacrificial service. For you and I, sacrificial service is not an occasional act we practice from time to time. For you and I, sacrificial service is a way of life wherever we go. We pick up the, the basin, we pick up the towel, we wash feet, we pass out fish, chips, <laughs> we like we feed the crowd. You know, we do what we need to do to love people. This is his vision for your life, and this is his vision for my life. Serving sacrificially is not something we do from time to time. We don't just serve, we are servants. Amen. 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 And so the question I have for you 
is are you growing the heart of a servant? The second question I have for you is what's your next step? You know, throughout this series, one of the things I've said over and over again is that discovering your purpose and your calling, it is a, it's a process. The very few people are going to be called on top of Mount Sinai and have this revelation from God uh, that, that's, that's not how it works, that we discover our process by listening and following one step at a time. And I've used this analogy many times, but I've often said, hey, if you want to discover your purpose, you have to get off the bank of the river and into the boat. You, you have to get into the river of the Holy Spirit and see where he takes you because the reality is that the Spirit will take you often in a very circuitous course to get you to where he wants you to be. We've seen this over and over in this series. That, that many times when you find those places and you sense, yes, this is what I was created to do, God has been preparing you your whole life through a wide variety of experiences you never could have guessed that you needed to have in order to prepare you to serve in that way. And so if we just try to sit back and sit on the bank or stay in the stands and watch the game in the field and figure it out before we jump in, it will never happen. It's not how God works. What God says is listen and follow what I'm telling you today. Get in the boat and I will get you where you need to go. And so the question I have for you is what's your next step? So here's the thing. For some of us here, for some of us here online, uh, that you're exactly where you need to be. That you've been listening, you've been following, and God has it. You're exactly where you're, and you just need to keep on listening and keep on following. And God will continue to reveal his purpose for your life. But for others of us, there's a step. For, 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 other, for, for some of us in this room, for some of us online, that for some of us, it's gonna be a step in the commonplace. He's calling some of us husbands to begin to step out of some of the, kind of the roles that we thought a husband should have. I'm the head of the house, I'm in charge of the house, so everyone serves me. And we need to follow the Jesus model. We say, yes, he's called me to be the head and the leader of my house. So that means I wash feet. And we begin to wash the feet of our wives, wash the feet of our kids. We begin to serve them in new ways. For some of us, for, for, for some of us here, for some of us online, that for you, that you're, you're married, you're a wife, and God is calling you to serve in the commonplace of your house, in your marriage, with your children. For some of us, he's calling us to get Get into the boat and start taking a whole different approach. Like you're in a job that you hate and you think that that gives you the right to not serve well because you don't hate this. I'm gonna do the bare minimum. But the Bible says slaves obey your masters, not just when their eyes are on you, but as if you're serving the Lord. And the, and the call on your life is to serve in the common place that you are gonna, you're gonna love and you're gonna serve where you work. You hate that place, but you're gonna serve God and you're gonna serve others. You're gonna love people well. And that's his next step in your life. For some of you, it's gonna be start using your spiritual gift in the kingdom. He's gonna call you, get out of the stands, into the game. I've gifted you, I've equipped you, you know your shape. Stop making excuses. Start serving children. Start leading a life group. Start greeting people. Use your gift to advance the kingdom. For others of us here, he's gonna call us out into the community. 
And can I tell you right now, as we're facing this crisis we're going through with the coronavirus, I believe God is going to call many of us to get out of our seats and to say, this is a time when the people of God shine. This is a, we're the ones who know who's in control. We're the ones who have access to the peace of God. We're the ones who don't have to panic. We're the ones who knows that King Jesus is on the throne. He's gonna call us out and to send us out to love those who need help right now, to bring peace on the water. And for many of us, he's gonna call us in our area of gifting or outside of our area of gifting to make a difference in our culture in this critical time. There are going to be many people in our culture right now. Their world is shaking. Their economic world is shaking. They've got concerns. They've got concerns about their kids. And they're going to be open to spiritual truth like they've never been open before. I saw today that the Prime uh, Prime Minister of France said this is the, the biggest health crisis in our century. And he's right. And in times of crisis, there are times our hearts open. And the people of God need to rise up. It has always been that way. Throughout history, it's been the followers of Jesus who've taken care of the sick. It's been the followers of Jesus who stepped into the gap. This is our time. And we need to rise up, not panic. We need to move into the gap in the name of Jesus. And we need to say, we will listen and we will follow and we will serve, not because it's our shape, but because it's the shape of our master. Amen. Amen. And so what is God calling you to do? What is the next step? Then as we listen and as we follow and as we get out of the stands and onto the field, as we get off the bank and into the boat, we will find the Holy Spirit will take us to where we need to go. We will grow. We will be transformed. We will develop the heart of a servant and we will discover the purpose for which we were made. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we're just so thankful for what you're doing in the midst of a crazy time. As we gather here, a few of us here, so many of us online, and we just come under your leadership, Jesus, and we say, you are the king of Rocky Peak. We pronounce that. We announce it. We embrace it. We know that you are in charge of all that's going on. There's nothing outside of your control. You are King Jesus. And so we, we come under your leadership. And Father, we pray that during this time of crisis, you would reshape our hearts as we listen and follow, that we would be a force of peace in a world of panic, Amen. and that we would learn to listen and follow you, and in the process, be transformed into the people that are like you. We live a life of love that leads to a life of service. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen.